Welcome to Thousand Hills Online. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy the message and that it's life-changing. Anybody that's here don't know who I am. My name is David Cronister, and I get to lead worship here every Sunday. And I just, it's a privilege, honor, and a joy, and I absolutely love it. So I thank you guys for that. And every once in a while, I get to stand up here and I get to do this whenever boss man's going to be gone or something. And uh, I appreciate you guys supporting this as well, because I know I ain't no professional at this, and it's not very good most times, but I try, I try. Um, so today we're going to continue on this invitation series that Bo started, and uh, we're going to be covering Second Corinthians 6, verse 8, and we serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us, we are honest, but they call us imposters. That's kind of what the, the main focus of this message is going to be today. Through this series, he's kind of talked about accepting God's invitation, how everybody's invited, but you have to accept the invitation, and then once you do accept the invitation to come to him, you also have to accept the invitation to ride for him. We talked about riding for Christ and what that looks like. He's given four principles so far. The first one is riding for Christ means we set a good example. Uh, it means we don't quit. We prove it. And number four is we fight with truth. And today we're going to look at the fifth way that I believe that we ride for Christ. My number five point that I believe the way we, if we're going to ride for Christ, it means we must ride toward the sun. And I got a little backstory that I was trying to, as I was researching stuff, I was trying to find a way to kind of, you know, tie this into the culture of the church and everything. And I found some pretty cool stuff. Uh, there's a, I found an article by a guy named Roger Edison. It talks about Old West cattle drives. And, you know, in the Old West, obviously, we didn't have trucks and stuff like that to transport cattle. So we had to transport them on the hoof, you know, horseback, all that kind of stuff. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of strategy involved in, in trying to get your cattle where they need to go. You know, you got to figure out how many hands you need, how many horses, how much food, how many wagons. Uh, you know, all the way down to they had to concentrate on how far they drove them each day because if you drove them too far, they'd lose weight. By the time you got there, they were just a bag of bones. So there's all kinds of things that they'd have to consider when they were doing cattle drives all the way down to the route that they were going to take. How they had to make sure they had plenty of water, plenty of food, grazing areas and stuff like that so when they rested. And, uh, you know, they had, to, they had a specific path that they had to kind of find or whatever, you know. So... You know, back, you know, nowadays, if we want to go somewhere and we don't know where we're going, what do we do? We pull out our iPhones, right? Like, hey, where am I going? Where's Walmart? To your left, dummy. But, uh, you know, so we got that. Well, they didn't have that back then. What did they do? There's an old wives' tale, like, it, in the evenings, they would just point their wagons toward the North Star. But this article showed me that that's only partly true. During the day, uh, they used the sun. The trail boss could take a pocket watch, and he could point the hour hand at the sun, he could split the difference between the hour hand and the 12, and that was his north-south line. But I thought that was pretty cool. They used the sun to keep them on the right path. So that led me to, you know, if we're going to ride for Christ, we got to ride toward the sun, the S-O-N. So that's where that point kind of come from. That's my whole thought process behind that. So I thought the uh, that story was really cool to relate to our culture. So anyway, what's the point? Well, if we focus on, on the sun, we can navigate ourselves to the right path as well. No matter what we're facing, if we focus on Jesus, he will direct us through the storm. John 12, verse 46. So I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. So all that being said, what does it look like to ride towards the sun? So I, 
I think we got to go back and kind of dissect that scripture, that Second Corinthians chapter six, verse eight. And in, again, it says, "We serve God, whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us, we honor us, but they call us impostors." I think the number one thing that we're going to do if we got to ride towards the sun is when people honor us or praise us, we have to give thanks back to God. You know, we just got to give the credit where credit is due. I don't want to give any kind of impression that praise isn't a good thing because it is. You know, if uh, if you got a child that's done something that, that's done something that you told them to, they need to be praised because they need to know, hey, that was that was what I was supposed to do, and I get good things happen when I do what I'm supposed to. You know, if you have if you're having an issue with your spouse and your spouse says, hey, you need to work on this, and then you work on that, well, then your spouse needs to praise you, or vice versa, you need to praise your spouse or whatever. You know, and so you've got a, an employee that is you know doing working their butt off for you, and you need to acknowledge that and give them praise for that because. You know, obviously, we as humans, if we're not being, if we don't get that praise every once in a while, chances are, you know, we're not, we're eventually, we may, we may not perform as well or whatever, you know. Like, if I'm, if I'm busting my hump at work and they don't, you know, that nobody ever says anything, nobody ever notices it, stuff like that. It's just our human nature to kind of want to just like, you know what, nobody notices anyway. It don't matter whether I work four hours a day or whether I work 20, you know, nobody cares. So, obviously, praise, I feel like, is good and necessary. Uh what becomes an issue, I feel like, is when we start looking for human praise only. We, we worry about getting praises from everybody else instead of worrying about what God thinks of us. And In John 12, verses 40 through 43, it says, The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. When I come across that scripture, it kind of started showing me a truth from my own life that I need to share. I, you know, and you know, first off, I guess I need to address, you know, so how do we handle praise? How do we, how do we address it when we do get praise? Now, obviously, it's pretty normal just to say thank you, right? You know, we want, I think a lot of times, you know, whenever somebody comes up and says thank you, you're just like, or says, hey, good job, and you're just like, thank you, and then you just leave it at that sometimes. And then, uh, you know, because of all if I ever did, if you guys come to me and say, hey, good job, and you know, I'm just like, you know, probably you're like, you know what, he don't care whether we say anything or not. Trust me, I do. Uh, that's why I say, you know, normal thing to do is say, is to tell somebody thank you, because that lets them know that they were heard. And that you appreciated it. All that being said, you know, being praised and stuff like that. Well, where, where does our ability to be able to do anything good, anything worthwhile come from? It comes from God, right? You know, I feel like I want to, in those moments when praise comes, I want to be sure that I realize why I can do what I can do, you know. My, I, the next thing I said to myself was, how can I let God know more that I appreciate him? I believe like when we're getting praised or something like that, we just need to, you know, obviously say thank you to people. But then the other thing, the other side of that is either publicly, like I'm doing now, you know, I can't stand up here and do what I do without God's help. So obviously I give it up to him because I want people to know that. But more so I need to go and do that privately as well and thank him, you know, because like I pick up that guitar and I just expect it to do what I tell it to. You know what I mean? I, I, I seen it, I, when I sing, I just expect the, the right notes to come out, not just be like, you know, so... Which I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it it might. Uh, 
And when I, you know, and when I want to dance, my mind says, no, you can't. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's amazing. God given me that ability, you know, and he, that ability to say, no, no, you can't dance, David. So I appreciate that. You know, privately, publicly, or whatever, we need to thank God for our ability to do the things that we do. And I'll relate this to my own life for you guys. Each week I stand up here and I try to bring meaningful, good, upbeat, just great worship. Because I feel like my purpose up here is to, you know, get you guys' hearts in the right place to hear the Word of God. And so... As I'm up here doing this, you know, I'll give you guys a hard time about like, hey, good morning, nobody's there. I was like, no, nah, that ain't good enough. You know, but that's, that's I'm, I'm wanting to fire you guys up because the word of God has got to be able to get into your hearts, and that's it starts here. And so if I don't do that right, if you guys aren't into what I'm doing, I've oftentimes felt like I failed in my purpose. So, and, I, and another thing that I want to say, too, is, you guys are awesome about coming up to the whole band and saying, hey, you guys are amazing. You know, and I greatly appreciate that. We really do. All of us do. But here's what I've had to learn as I'm going through all this. I think when I first started doing this, I had, I had some issues when I first started doing this. I'm going to be real with you guys. I probably concentrated just a little bit too much on human praises. As I was going through this, I come across a scripture, Luke 7, 31 and 32. So to what can I compare the people of this generation? Jesus asked, how can I describe them? They are like children playing a game in a public square. They complain to their friends. We played wedding songs and you didn't dance. So we played funeral songs and you didn't weep. I mean, that really punched me in the mouth when I was putting this together and showed me just how, you know, I guess just ridiculous that I was being at that time. You know, I, I, I put so much emphasis on, on praise that I got from you guys that I wasn't realizing my greater purpose, and I was having issues being able to lead because of it. Through through the grace and the power of God, you know, he, he showed me how to be a better leader. He showed me how to, you know, realize what this is all about, you know, and, and the truth of the matter is this. As much as I love doing this and getting you guys there, I love it, and I wouldn't trade it for nothing, but I'm not doing it for you. I'm not doing it for me. I'm riding this horse toward the sun, and if it's just me up here, that's not enough, you know. Cry, baby. Every time. <laughs> I don't know. Just once, I'd like to be able to talk about just without crying. Just once, you know. Like I'm getting the most. Why are you crying? I don't know. Maybe it's just my. No. It is only with God's guidance and love and grace that I can stand up here and I can do this on a normal basis. So. That's, that's why I feel like, you know, number one is turning praise back to God because without him, it's, it's not possible to receive praise in my opinion. So point number two was when we are despised and slandered, we had to ride even harder to him. Bo kind of directed me a little bit in this because doing somebody else's topic, the other times that I've kind of, that I've done this, I've kind of got to come up here and just think of something that I wanted to say that God was telling me, but you know, it was a little bit tougher to continue on something that Bo's been trying to teach. So this this has been a whole new kind of hard for me to do. So, But one of the things that he encouraged me to do was kind of, you know, explain what it means, I guess, to be despised and slandered, why people might do that, and then how do we address that. So what does it mean to be despised and slandered? It means to be hated and to have someone dragging your name through the mud, you know, basically for no good reason. 
And as I was researching this, I come across some pretty cool articles that, that kind of helped me find some stuff. I come across one on BibleReasons.com. It was called 25 Reasons Why the World Hates Christians and Christianity, written by Fritz Cherry. In this article, there was a dead-on quote. It said, To be right with God has often meant to be in trouble with men, by A.W. Tozer. Just think about that, and how true is that? When you're, when you're walking a righteous walk, when you're doing everything that you can, how, how much do you come under attack? So then, then the next thing that I wanted to, to kind of dissect in this is, so why would anyone hate us or talk bad about us if we're following God? And the plain and simple truth is that this world belongs to Satan. And he's tainted the truth so much to fulfill his plans that unbelievers now feel like his way is the right way. And he will give anybody with a doubting mind the ammunition to attack anybody that lives for Jesus. He's a liar and he came to kill, steal, and destroy all right, so what's he going to use against us if we're walking together? If we're walking with God, if we're right with God, what's he going to use? Anything he can. He doesn't have to have a good reason. He's just going to find something. You're walking, you're feeling good about yourself, and then somebody reminds you about your past. All right? Now, who in this room will raise their hand and say they're extremely proud of every decision that they've ever made in their life? I'm not raising my hand. I've got a deal that I love to say, and I try to, I really do try to live by it. I don't know that I always do, but I try my best to. And I live in a glass house, and I ain't throwing knocks at nobody. I don't want anybody throwing rocks at me. I'm not going to throw them at them. Uh, my windows are really, really thin, and I don't know, I don't want rocks going through my windows. So I, and I, so I really try hard not to, you know, speak ill of people or anything like that, because there's plenty that somebody could point right back at me for. The, but the cool thing, what I really enjoy, is that even though there's a lot of things that I've done that I'm not proud of, that, you know, we're definitely not being a good steward of God, he uses me anyway. And so I, I feel like that's a, a pretty amazing thing. And I think that's why I get emotional all the time is because I still just can't believe that, he, that he's using me. You know, I, I just like little old, well, little old me. <laughs> There's a whole lot of me to use. Maybe that's why he's using me. Like, look, they can use him. We can have leftovers, guys. So, <laughs> but uh, so what? One thing that that, I, that was revealed to me as I was putting all this together is that we can't let our past determine our future. Um, Paul, who used to be Saul from the Bible, he was a persecuting murderer of Jews. And if he heard anybody talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, he was out trying to shut them up whatever way he could, all the way to the point of murder. But then. God says, watch me work. And he took this man and he changed him right there on that road. He changed him. And he became one of the most influential people in the Bible. Okay. Now, do you think the first time anybody heard him speak about for Jesus Christ after he had been murdering people for speaking about Jesus Christ, do you think that was easy for him? Yeah, exactly. But like, whoa, what kind of trap are you setting for me, partner? I don't know. You get on out of here. But, you know, but a, a real thing that I want to point out here, um, I can tell you honestly, I, like I said, I'm, I'm up here. I like to expose truth in my own life so that you guys know that I'm not up here preaching to you, that I'm just trying to relate truths that I've learned and that I still have to work on. But I can tell you right now that I've seen people that, I, that may have been sleeping around and drinking and partying and everything else. And then... One weekend, then the next weekend I see them, they're preaching to me the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, hey, 
I know what you was doing last week, you know. Who are you to try to hear, sit here and talk to me about like that? And talk to me like that. Tell me how I need to change my life, right? So that's our human nature. And I, I just want to be real with you guys because, I, like I said, I'm, I ain't perfect. And I honestly, I don't deserve to be standing up here. I'm not the man for this job, but he is. So... You know, that the past is something that he'll use. And I, I, what I wanted, I come across this scripture that, that he wanted me to share with you guys, I feel like. You know, because it's, uh, wait a minute, I got ahead of myself, I'm sorry. I jumped the page here. So what I learned is we can't let our past determine our future. And, you know, eventually Paul was able to shut up the naysayers. And now I want to share with you an example from my own life where I've actually got to see this work. And I tried to reach out to my uncle before, before all this so I could get the whole truth to share with you. I only know little bits and pieces of the truth. And so, you know, I, I'm sorry if the story's a little bit incomplete, but I, I think that I can relay how much it changed his life. But my uncle, he, was, he is a man on fire for God. He, I'm just, he can intimidate you into the word. I mean, he was like, you will believe. Jesus will save you. And I'm like, yes, he will. All right. I mean, that's just, it's just amazing. The power of God, I just, when he starts speaking, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a real charismatic jump up, hallelujah kind of guy, but I promise you, when he speaks, I want to be. I, it's just amazing. And to, to know where he's at right now and to know where he's been, you know, in his past, he was in a bad marriage. Uh, he was into drugs. And, and this is where it gets a little bit on the, on the side where I only know partial truths. But all I know is that he, when he was in this heavy metal band, um, he was had a lady that was supplying drugs, and, and he we were on the phone, and he was going through the mountains in Romania. He's doing missionary work over, over in Romania right now. And he was trying to tell me about how I only got little bits and pieces, but of, of you know how he told me that he was introduced to Satan first. And Satan is where he had all of his faith. And he was talking about seances and things like that where they tried to reach out to Satan and stuff like that. So... You know, this is, again, this is where I'm, I'm only getting partial, partial and little bits and pieces because of where he's at and we weren't able to share the whole truth. So the, the, but all I can tell you that I know with certainty is that he was scared straight. And I know that it had something to do with seeing demons personally. And, you know, I hope that that doesn't freak anybody out. Like, all right, who's this whack job up here talking about demons? But I really believe that if you believe in one, you have to believe in the other. Because I don't feel like you can believe that there's good, but work, but not believe that there's evil. You know, Satan rules this world, and he uses people all the time. And I think I think that his spirit is in people, and that he uses those people to attack us as believers all the time. Um, but, and I know I was I got to hear him preach on this on this before, and he, you know, he basically ran from that place scared, and he turned to Jesus immediately, and so and he was so changed to the point that he was actually walking around the town that I grew up in, like holding signs and, and, and bearing crosses and stuff like that. And and my grandpa was a, a little bit nervous about the way that he was. Like, boy, you're kind of embarrassing me. You know, what are you doing? And he, and he said, Dad, I have to. God's telling me to do this. I have to do it. You know, so, and he said, I knew that I had arrived and I knew that I had gotten through to my father whenever I was uh we were having a family event, and he said, 
you know, we were out there with a lot of my brothers and stuff, and they were all drinking, and they wanted me to try this new drink, and I was resisting. And finally, I just told him I would. And he said, I knew that I'd arrived when my dad looked at me, and he said, boy, I will kick your... And so whenever he said that was when I knew that my dad finally bought into the fact that God had changed me. So, you know, even for him, knowing where he's at now, he still had to prove it. He still had to prove himself to everybody so that they would believe. You know, so the, the devil will use your past against you, and but don't let him. Because you know what? Jesus died for your sins. Amen? So, what else can he use? What else can Satan use to cause hatred? How about human nature? What do you mean? Well, like it or not, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be believers... And they take on that whole, I'm holier than thou, I'm better than you kind of attitude. And that leaves a very bad taste in people's mouth. And when you have those, those kind of people out there that are talking out one side of their mouth, but then on the other side they're doing this other stuff. You know, it, it doesn't really set well with people. So that causes hatred towards us. Um, it's real easy to kind of get into that mentality of... Uh, you know, I've never killed anyone. I've never, you know, I've never done drugs. I've never committed adultery. So I'm not as bad as that guy sitting over there. I know, right? So I want everybody to turn to the person next to you and say, I'm no better than you. Right? And the joy of being down here is there's nobody next to me. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So. And as I, but as I was going through this, here's what, here's what uh, the scripture that God shared with me. It was John 8, verses 4 through 7. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up and he said, all right, but let one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And later on in the scripture, in, 10 and, in John 8, 10 and 11, he says, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? Nor, no, Lord, she said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So, you know, that, that right there just tells me, if Jesus won't condemn anybody, who in the crap are we to think that we have that kind of power to do that ourselves? So... And another good point that I found in that article was this. It said, one of the points that they said was, we as Christians are no better than anyone. We're just better off. So that's a pretty bold statement to make, right? We're better off. Well, what makes you believe that you're better off? The Word of God. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. If you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So, yeah, it's a bold statement, but the word God tells me it's true. So, we may not be better than anybody, but we are better off. So, uh, let's see. What's another area where he can tempt us in our human nature? I feel like he kicks us when we're down. And, you know, what, what I mean is that you know, because of who we are, because we're humans, and because of the world that we live in, uh, we tend to get frustrated and want to quit when things get hard. Um, 
And this is an area that I can tell you that I struggle with in my own life. Um, as far as, like, you guys may or may not believe this. I, I'm glad everybody's sitting down. I tend to have a problem with my weight. Um, I know, I know. But I, I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, I have trouble with my weight. Um, but, you know, truthfully, though, this really is an area of my life that I that I don't have control of. Uh, food, I love food. Everybody, Anybody ever tell anybody to eat till you're full, right? Not this guy. If I eat till I'm full, there will be three large pizzas gone, 12,000 calories consumed, and I'll be like, I'm hungry. So I can't eat till I'm full. I, I, I have a huge appetite. And, you know, I'm one of those people, too, like, this is where I struggle. Like, if, I, uh, if I'm losing weight, or I'm trying to lose weight, okay? I'll say losing weight. I'm trying to lose weight. I'll diet for a week. I'll jump on the scale and be like, what do you mean I'm only down half a pound? I'm going to go have me a double bacon cheeseburger and a diet soda. That's, that's me. And uh, I'll run one lap around the, around the track and come back and expect to have lost 10 pounds. And then it just I quit after that. So that, that's really, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's kind of how I am. So my whole point of all that, though, is this. If your spiritual walk is like that, then people are going to just look at you like, you don't even buy what you're trying to sell me. How do you expect me to buy into that? So, you know, the, I think the, that being said, you know, Satan being the liar that he is, he comes to tell you when you're, when you're having a downtime. It's like, you know, what's the point? Why keep on living this godly life when you've got to struggle anyway? Come and partake of the world. Come and partake of what I can offer you. And a lot of people will succumb to that. And when they do, then that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. Because, again, if you don't even buy what you're trying to sell me, how do you expect me to buy it? And here's the thing that I think that we overlook. You know, following God's way is not is not always easy in this world because, as I said, it belongs to Satan. But I think the whole point that we often forget as humans is that, you know, we, we'll tend to focus on looking at the other guy and look at how much he has. He doesn't live for God, and he's got money rolling out of his ears. He drives the nicest vehicles, and he's got this, and he's got that. And, you know, we tend to focus on that, but that's what the enemy wants us to focus on. But the thing that we, need, that we lose focus on, I believe, and I know that I do as well, is that we're not earning a place on earth. We're already here. We're trying to earn our spot in heaven, and that's why we follow God, Right? So now the clock has been built, and now we come back around to point number two. When we are despised and slandered, we have to ride even harder towards him. So here's what I, here's what I think. I think that anytime somebody comes at me sideways, first thing I want to do is get sideways right back with them. Right? you stupid. Well, you stupid. Err. Right? I want to turn my hat around backwards, pull my shirt off. It's like, come at me, bruh. Come at me. Chest bumping and everything else. But, uh, you know, that doesn't let God's light shine through me at all. And it's in those moments when we have that temptation to lash out and to be the smaller person. That's when we have to, to grow up and get big and let God shine through us. So, um, you know, it, and we... We went through all that, and you guys are like, so 
every day we or every Sunday we come in here, we learn about how why we should follow Christ. So now you're telling me that everybody's going to hate me because I do it. Well, you know, God's word even tells us that. Um, but there is a great reward at the end. Um, in Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, that God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom, he- kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets, prophets were persecuted in the same way. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, but God promises a great reward in his word. He, he tells us that we will get there, and we will have our mansion in heaven. Amen? So what can we take away from this today? Well, I hope, if I didn't get in the way too much, and, and God spoke through me, I hope that what you'll take away is this. If we ride for him, we must ride to him. When people show us love, we have to show them love. When people show us hate and disrespect, we still have to show them love. You know, riding a saddle is easy when your horse is just kind of loping around, right? It's easy to stay in a saddle and just have fun. Whenever the horse of life starts to buck, that's when we have to ride even harder. We have to hold on to the reins of God's word, and we have to show this life that God is in control. So I hope that as each of you get ready to leave here today, that you will just focus on the sun when you leave here and use him for guidance. If you guys bow your head with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity to share this this word that you gave me this week, Lord. And Lord, I, I do pray that, that you threw me out of the way and that you spoke through me today so that somebody in this room was reached by it, Lord, because I know that that with, if it's just me that I'm not good enough but I'm just so humbled and amazed that you can work through somebody like me God you can throw my past aside and you can use me and I pray that if there's anybody in here who has a jaded past Lord that they just don't think that they're good enough to come before you I pray that you would show them what a line of crap that is you died for our sins so I pray that you wrap them in your arms and you show them that you our love and that you will love them you don't condemn them you died for their sins Lord I just pray that so sincerely that somebody in this room if they're feeling that way that that you would comfort them Lord I pray that if there's lukewarm people in here Lord that you will warm them up light a fire in them Lord let them feel your presence I pray that if there's anybody in this room that feels like they want to or need to ask you into their life I pray that you would show them that you're there and ready for them that you're just waiting for them to ask. Lord, I just pray that they would realize that it's not a magical prayer. It's nothing. It's no fancy words. It's just, Jesus, take the wheel. I can't do it on my own. That's it. Just let them see that, Lord. and Let them come to you. Let them ask you. Lord, I just pray, as everybody leaves here today, I pray that you would be with them, that you would guide them through their week, that you would let them follow you, and that you would just keep everybody safe. I pray that you bless each and every one of their weeks. And Lord, I pray that I, I did hear that the, that the weather was going to be a little bit iffy today with the high winds and the hot temperatures, Lord, and we've had a lot of a lot of damage and stuff done from fire, Lord, and we're going to have a high danger today. So I just pray that you, that you take control of that situation, Lord, that you keep everybody safe. Lord, I just thank you so much for 
for everybody in this room for bringing everybody here. And I just pray that as we leave here that we can all remember that you are our guiding light, that you get all the glory, and that we can all just show you the love and honor that you show us and you did show us for dying on the cross for us. I pray all these things in your precious and holy name. If you've made a commitment or have any needs, please contact us at info at thousandhillsranch.church or you can call or text 580-216-6427. Thanks again for joining us and may God bless the ride you're on.